0: the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mataulder.meslash AMA. That's mataulder.meslash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time mattalder.me slash AMA. Support for this podcast comes from RecFest 2. RecFest 2 is the in house recruitment festival of the summer with an incredible lineup of speakers and the biggest conversation of like minded recruiters in the world. RecFest 2 is taking place on July the 9th aboard the HMS President in London. Get 50% off your ticket to The Conversation right now by going to recfest2.com and using the discount code PODCAST. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of the Recruiting Future podcast. I've always been fascinated by the intersection of people, work, and technology, and this week's guest is someone who's written and spoken a lot on this topic Neil Morrison, the Group HR Director for Penguin Random House in the UK. In the interview, we had a we have a broad discussion about HR technology and organisational flexibility. Neil also gave me an update on Penguin Random House's new social recruiting initiative, hashtag the scheme. Enjoy. Hi everyone, and welcome to another recruiting future podcast interview. Um, I'm in the offices of Penguin Random House today, talking to Neil Morrison. Hi Neil, how Hi are you? Um, Would you just sort of like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, so um, my name's Neil Morrison. I'm the HR Director for Penguin Random House here in the UK. Um, And I
0: also write and speak about employment, work and various other bits and bobs. Absolutely. Um, And I think that's really kind of what's prompted this interview because um, I read a blog post that you wrote... Uh, I think it was towards the end of last year, and it was all about um, HR and technology. Um, how you'd uh, been to some conferences, looked at some startup companies, and you, you sort of had some thoughts on um, uh, technology, HR, the future of work, all, all, all that kind of all that kind of stuff, which was uh, which was which was really interesting, and I kind of thought worth sharing again. So, you know, what 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 are your you know what are your views on the sort of meeting of Work technology and work technology and people.
1: Sure. So, I think the the thing that started me thinking around this was the fact that uh, historically technology has always been enterprise first and then gone to the consumer. Yeah. So if we think about mobile phones, or we think about uh, you know Microsoft or even PCs, so they would have been in the workplace and then they would have been adopted by consumers after when they get to a price point that could be achieved. Yeah. But what we have seen over the past sort of five, 10 years is that technology goes consumer first and then enterprises are trying to have to work out how to use it. And social technologies would be one of the the kind of big examples. Of course. Of yeah. And therefore employees have an expectation of technology within the workspace, which is based on their experience in their consumer lives um, and, and traditional HR technologies just, don't come up to anywhere near the sort of experience that people expect. Um, But what I'm starting to see um, bubbling under the surface is a lot of smaller tech companies that are introducing really interesting, innovative products, which I think do kind of excite employees and meet that expectation of being able to interact in a way that feels... Like a really good user experience that's yeah. available 24/7, that is uh, matches what I can do in the rest of my life, but in relation to the workspace. And I think that's that's what I find kind of fascinating is how we how we how we leverage that that ability within work.
0: Um, and I suppose it's interesting because uh, you know certainly in the last few years, uh, from you know looking at it from the outside in, it seems that. Uh, HR has been moving towards big unified systems where everything is sort of done in the everything is sort of done in the same place, and it's all about um, you know process and, and business and, and, and that kind of thing. And do you think that needs to change, or it is changing, or um, does that work alongside? Um, you know what, what's kind of going on with this sort of consumer grade technology? What, what do you what do you think? I,
1: I, I mean, I think it has to change, and I think what we're starting to see is some of the bigger um, hr technology vendors also recognizing that this needs to change because our organizations are moving and adapting so very very quickly because the world is changing so very quickly that you need your technology to support that and to allow you to do it and if it's very hardwired and built in a very steady state then that doesn't actually match the organizational reality and i think where we'll see things change is to a more um, versatile more um, even potentially disposable approach to technology which says i'll buy it over a short period of time and at the end of it it probably will be no longer fit for purpose and i'll upgrade to something else but that that time period being more akin to a mobile phone contract than it is to a a mortgage and a house you know is that kind of
0: Shorter cycle. I, I think that's interesting, actually, because I I was reading something the other day uh, that someone was writing about change management, and that you know change management was a specialised skill, and uh, you know you, you called upon it occasionally. And it, it just seems to me that um, it certainly seemed to that writer that actually change, man- change is changes the norm, and um, you know understanding how to sort of move through these quest- systems systems quickly and, and find out what's what's right for you was um, was incredibly important. I mean, do you think that? companies and HR departments in particular are sort of set up for that kind of thinking? I don't.
1: I I don't. (laughs) I mean, I think generally what you're required still to do is put in place a big business case with a long-term plan and and try and justify why this investment would be beneficial over a long period of time. And that's how we've we've thought. I mean, a lot of organisations are still... Doing you know three five year business plans or strategies, which I think in some ways you know is slightly bizarre given how much change we're going through. So yeah. I think I think we've still got a way to go in terms of that mindset, and I don't think I don't think it means that you can't be large and agile. I think I think you can be large and yeah. agile, and I think that kind of, um, but that's a mindset and it's the an
0: yeah. approach, yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, rather than it is saying you've got big organisations which are. You know, slow and laborious, and then you've got small startups which are agile. I I don't think that's the case. I think you can have the mentality,
0: regardless of of the size, that mindset mentality. I I think that's interesting. I mean, particularly, I suppose, with reference to. Uh, the changes your companies had to go through um, in the last few years because I'm, I'm thinking that you've probably been whether you wanted to or not at the kind of forefront of the uh, digital revolution with what's happened in you know what's happened in publishing I mean how's that how has that sort of panned out how has that sort of affected um, you know the, the way you work and the way you think sure I mean absolutely
1: If you if you kind of go back to when I joined what was Random House so I mean one major change was the biggest merger in yes. publishing history to, uh, to yeah. ever have happened during a period of time um, but uh, you know th- the way in which we use technology was still very very different people read e-books predominantly on a laptop the Kindle didn't exist Kobo didn't exist Nook didn't exist the iPhone had just launched and I mean this was only kind of 2008 so yeah. it's not as if it's you know hundreds of years ago Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest change, the biggest step change we saw was when people realised that technology was an opportunity as opposed to being a threat. Yes. Um, And I think initially people saw it as as a threat because it was going to change how we did things. And moving that mindset to actually saying, well, if we embrace this, actually what are the opportunities for us? So, for example it's much easier for us to communicate direct with consumers than it's ever been before. We can talk about what we do to so many people. So, uh, more easily than ever before. Um, yeah. we can get books to market quicker than ever before. You know, our, our cost of production can potentially reduce if we just go to a straight to ebook format. So, yeah. so there's all these ways in which you can, uh, harness it. Um, but that change in mindset was was the biggest thing, because we weren't noticing the opportunities because people were worried about the, the threats.
0: Yeah, and I think that's um, obviously, you know, particularly the case of the organisation, but I think I've noticed it, you know, I noticed it in almost every organisation that that kind of thing, um, you know, that kind of thing happens. Um, I suppose changing chat tack slightly, but staying on the same subject, you uh, you're currently running a really interesting recruitment, um, you know, recruitment scheme, um, and you know this is obviously to do with you know, the, the changing types of talent you want in your business, but also, um, I suppose, harnessing, uh, you know, the new sort of social world that we uh, that we now live in. Talk talk us through what you've been doing and what's kind of um, how, what the results are looking like.
1: Sure. Okay. So so this is the scheme. Hashtag the scheme. Yeah. Um, uh, mainly because we couldn't come up with a better name for it so, um, and the idea was to try and attract uh, 18 year olds plus uh, into publishing which can often be seen as a bit of a traditional industry um, to reach out to people who didn't necessarily need to have a degree um, but to come in and work for us uh, particularly in our marketing areas so recognising that we needed to be marketing books in a, in a different way and in order to do that, we wanted to create a different type of marketing campaign for the, for the scheme itself. Um, so we, I mean, we started off by using Tumblr because of the demographic that we were looking at. Tumblr seemed to be, I think it's 40% under 35 or something yeah. like that. So it's, it's, right in the kind of sweet space. That'll be why I don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me neither. <laughs> um, there are some kind of blind, some strange looks going around the office as someone mentioned Tumblr, um, uh, but using that as our as our main means and then pushing out through our social channels. Yeah. And trying to create an event from it. So we wanted to create a lot of noise around the scheme and almost represent a marketing campaign for marketeers, mm. if that makes sense. And yeah, totally. I mean what we saw was quite phenomenal. So we had um three thousand visits to the site in the first three hours um of of launch. We had um A huge reaction on uh, social media, um, and then into mainstream press as well, mainstream trade press, both in publishing and HR, um, picked up on this. We're now up uh, just over a week in. We're up at about thirteen and a half thousand visits to the site. Yeah. Um, The application rate is interesting. I mean, we're we're just under two hundred applicants at the moment. Okay. Um, I think that's probably going to pick up as we we're now kind of entering the easter holidays and the groups of people that we're looking at are on holiday so we think that that's going to pick up okay. um but the vast majority of the traffic has come through our social channels and 80 percent are in the are in the age range that we're looking at so yeah. so we're seeing that we are attracting the right kind of demographic through to
0: through to that site fantastic and is there any um, any sort of word on the quality of applications yet or are you sort of sort of holding off to, to look at them all together or what's the what's your sort of view on uh, you know the, the quality that's coming through
1: yeah so so, so we're not um, uh, we're not accepting CVs on this okay. uh, and part of that reason was actually to make it uh, a little bit more um even for people who may not have experience or may not have qualifications, so we're purely looking for potential yeah. um, the answers that we're seeing, I, I mean I can't say they're all top yeah. quality but you wouldn't expect that um, but we're seeing some really really interesting ideas and of course we have no idea who these people are, how old they are, what experience they've got, Fantastic. Uh, what
0: education they've got—we're yeah. just judging them
1: purely on that,
0: uh, yeah, on those great. answers. Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on there, and I'd imagine that uh, it probably represents a, a rather large cost saving on, um, you know, traditional recruiting costs and advertising and all that, all that sort of stuff as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, this this has been really eye opening for us. So, the total campaign is less than hundred pounds in. Wow. In its entirety, yeah, um, we've built the site within the HR team ourselves. So we had a bit of a cost in terms of a Tumblr um, design. We had a, a URL and then a bit of an interface for a a, um, a, a, t- a form to complete. Um, but that's it, and because we've used social channels to push it out, that's been entirely free. Um, so, yeah, it's it quite different to the days when you would have built a site for twenty, thirty thousand pounds £30,000 and uh, had to advertise it in yeah, various different spend places. Yeah, probably
0: spent double that amount on advertising. Um, no, that's brilliant. I, mean, I think it's, a, it's such a fantastic initiative in, in so many ways. Um, just Final, final questions, because, you know, we're talking about technology, we're talking about change, we're talking about thinking about things differently. What What advice would you give you know, HR professionals or even recruitment professionals who are, um, who are looking at this sort of the technology change, and everything that, that's going out there and, and feeling perhaps, you know, intimidated, intimidated by it. Where, you know, where should they start? What, what kind of advice would you, would you give? I mean, I, I would just go and look at
1: what's out there and speak to, to people who are either using the technology or people who were selling the technology. And I think just go and explore, be curious. Yeah. Recognize that price points aren't the same as they were 10 years ago, and therefore don't start with a view that says the board will never back this. Start with a view that says, actually, what could we do that would be really exciting and really engaging for potential employees, future employees, or our existing employees? And then just go and, uh, and be curious and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way you find out about things. Find out about them before they're big. Don't wait for everyone else to kind of discover it. Get there and you know, potentially where people are looking to, to get a few clients on board to use their products, you know, then you can really kind of maximise that return. So the, the power of being an early adopter? Ab- absolutely. Both yeah. in terms of kind of being able to shape the product. So if you're an early adopter, then often the vendors will work with you to help shape it to meet your needs.
0: And the price point tends to be a lot lower. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time and for speaking to me. It's great. That was Neil Morrison. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and also on Stitcher. You can find past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.